Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adwell Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adwell Marcy, and today we're joined by another legend of, well, several industries really, but also podcasting more so right now, Mr. Brad Costanzo. Brad, I said just sound him right, right? Well, yes, sir. Hello. What's up, buddy? Oh, well, good, man. Good to have you here. The people are Thank listening you. in the background, you will hear Chase, the lunatic, he's back awake, co-hosting this episode, possibly, I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, just a real quick shout out to all our sponsors before we get started today. This show sponsored as always by AdelaMarcy.com. Go there, check out uh, previous episodes we put up, check out anything that we've actually done. Join the mailing list. We have an email training system for you guys on how to write better stories. And also sponsored by BaconRackedBusiness.com, which is Brad's business. Um, go check it out. You can check out his podcast and a few other little goodies he's got there waiting for you. Dude. Freaking hell, cannibal. We've known each other online for about six years, and I think we only started messaging each other the other day. Yeah, it's weird how that happens, huh? He's like, you see each other posting different stuff, and it's like, oh, I, I kind of know that guy, and you realize, wait, we've never actually had a proper conversation. Yeah. We've only spoken on other people's comments. Yep. To be fair, I kind of have to tip my hat to you because you're the one that got this ball rolling because I think I asked something about music taste and then you wrote, this is what I like. And then all of a sudden- You did. Like, you asked, what do you, what kind of music do you listen to when you're either focusing or concentrating or writing copy or something like that, I think. Yeah. It was something to do with writing, I think, at the time. Guys, as I told you, Chase is in the background today. He's a little bit happy and just- being a real I like player. it it has a little color commentary he's like it, it does he's, he's just meowing and that is not a child that is legit a cat <laughs> that's the best part the amount of times I've had to tell people that's my cat they're like no it's not you're a dad I'm like cat dad let's not push humans <laughs> yet we're pretty good with that so dude what have you been up to I mean um seriously what have you been up to the last like two years two years man there's been a lot of changes in the past couple of years so um you know going you know, the overall, if you look at my entire, uh, I won't even go in my entire career because that would take a little too long, but as it applies to kind of full-blown entrepreneurship in the marketing, digital, et cetera, space, I've been, you know, officially at it for about 10 years. In fact, so right today is May 18th, 2018, right? So it was June 2nd, 2008. We are approaching my 10-year anniversary of my very first sale of anything online, uh, that was June 2nd, launched my first little product. And um, over the course of over the course of the next, I don't know, I think six years or something like that, I or five or six years, I built that business and I sold it. And then I got I jumped into consulting and I was doing a lot of consulting for some really cool businesses, a lot of different types from software to supplements to service and SaaS. And then a couple of years ago, I was like, screw this, I'm gonna start an I'm gonna start my own uh, e-com business with my wife of all things. <laughs> and uh, she had this idea. And I was like, oh, we can make this happen. I've never done e-com, but I've consulted e-com companies, so it should be super easy. And uh, that was my first policy. Yeah. But I, I got into it. I started to do it. it we we had a little bit of success, but honestly, I'm I'm a crappy operator, and we weren't like. I didn't do it right. I didn't really spend the money to get the right people on board. I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to have fun with this. I'm going to kind of figure it out myself. And not only did I realize the limitations of, of my skill set, which is that day-to-day -day ops, but um, the opportunity cost was just way, 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 way too big for me because you know we were selling a coffee, a private label coffee brand. And it was a, it was a cool brand and it was a lot of fun and it was it, it had the potential to kind of do some stuff, but not without some real capital to kind of put behind it. Yeah. And um, – 
And I decided, you know, I'm going, one of my mentors, a guy named Roland Frazier, who's partners at Digital Marketing, we're having lunch and he, yeah, and he, he, he said, he, he phrased it to me, he's like, dude, so if, if this coffee company was a client, which I had been doing consulting for years, he goes, would you, would you keep them? Like, would you have them as a client? And I said, well, unfortunately, the, the company's not making any money right now. So like, I'm not making, they're not paying me anything. I'm actually losing money every month. I'm negative. He goes, okay, well, what if they were paying you like five grand a month and 50, uh, 50% ownership of the business? Like this was a great consulting for equity clients. Would you, would you take them? And I was like, well, how big is their marketing budget? Because the stuff that I suggest to do usually costs a little bit of money. And he's like, no, they don't really have a marketing budget. I was like, well, I don't know. He goes, well, and they want you to spend 75% of your time on them. I was like, well, hell no, I wouldn't take them as a client. And he just smiled, his big cherub cheeks. <laughs> and uh, I was like, Roland, you son of a bitch. But it was that day that I made the decision to kind of get out of it. And I was like, okay, I'm done. And I, I knew I could start something else up and you know go back to consulting or whatever, but I wasn't really sure. And it just so happened the very, very next day, I guess the universe was smiling on me. I got an email from a podcast listener who said, and I've been doing my podcast for four years, but he, uh, I never really talked to him. And he said, hey, man, it sounds like you're doing some consulting on your, uh, on your podcast. Is that true? And I said, yeah, what, what do you need? So uh, I was fresh off this turning this business upside down. And uh, he told me what he needed. It was kind of traffic conversion consulting. It was in, an, it was in a market that I had had an extensive experience. So we did a we did a, um, a one day kind of power day, VIP day, which I really, I, I love starting off any consulting relationships with kind of a one day, really deep, deep dive uh, strategy map session. Uh-huh. And uh, then for the next year and a half, we've been working together and I've helped him, you know, double his business uh, just on an advisory basis and role. Uh, but then that, that, it, it was funny, man, because that that created this cascade of new clients. Like I got, I started working with a guy named Jesse Itzler, who is great dude. Uh, yeah, you know who he is. So mm-hmm. if if the listeners don't know who he is, he's uh, he wrote a book called Living with a Seal, and he's a billionaire, and he sold a business to Warren Buffett and to Coca Cola, another one to Coca Cola, and he, is he, he owns he the married Atlanta to he's married Spanx, to the youngest Spanx, female billionaire, Spanx yes, Banks founder Sarah Blakely. That's the one. And I had read his book like a year prior, and then I I fell in love with it and his mindset. And then I got him on my podcast. And then after about a year, I found an opportunity to add value to him. And then he flew me out to Atlanta to do one of those VIP strategy days. And I got to admit, I was like, kind of that starstruck, like, oh, damn, like, this is a billionaire flying me in to consult with him. And I did. And then it, he said, well, how can I work with you on going basis? Because he was trying to channel a lot of the demand from the New York Times bestselling book into like all these speaking engagements that he he was getting and he didn't really know this whole social media world and all this other stuff like what to do so I kind of been strategizing and guiding him through um, create helping to create a movement and getting on more stages and his you know really understanding his personal brand uh-huh. and then that led to I'm giving you the, the long winded what hey man, oh, dude, go for it. you you give me a shit ton of great questions to ask you I'm gonna go just tell you that right so, now so keep going. Hey, and then so working with Jesse and, you know, we created some really cool like high end intensives as well as like a, a, a lower ticket, uh, like several hundred person event uh, where him and Sarah hosted it and we brought in some other speakers. So uh, I brought in like um, uh, Michael Jordan's former trainer, uh, Tim Grover. 
Tim Grover, yeah. And then um, and then I brought in Frank Shamrock, who's a five-time UFC champion, yep. retired, known as a legend. And then Frank and I really hit it off. And then earlier this year, we've partnered together on multiple things, including um, kind of, I guess you could call me his brand manager as well, but uh, it's not so much of a client you know, consultant relationship as it is a true partnership. Um, because there's a lot of cool initiatives that he's working on. So we've partnered up together to work on that. And then just recently, um, I signed a guy named Moro Ranallo on and Moro, if, if anybody's like a, a boxing or wrestling, yeah. uh, fan, he is one of the, t- he's the top combat sports announcer out there. For instance, he's the, he's one of the two announcers who called the McGregor Mayweather fight earlier this year like that's yeah. the biggest fight ever like he's, he was one of the announcers and he's coming out as a big mental health advocate uh for mental illness because he's got a he's got a movie a documentary on showtime releasing next week called bipolar rock and roller and it's really about his struggles with bipolarism so i'm helping to kind of spearhead the social media and brand management strategy for moro and kind of flipping him from just being a combat sports announcer to a um to a social media or a social activist and then lastly, and I'll kind of jump ahead on this, I've been uh, in a totally separate, which is also causing me a little bit of mental <laughs> stress, uh, totally separate thing. I've uh, acquired a couple of e-commerce businesses, authority sites, and uh, basically digital businesses to, uh, I bought them to turn them around and ideally resell them. So one of them is like, yes, brand management stuff, and one of them is like acquisitions, <laughs> exits and acquisitions. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to admit, though, it, I, I'm becoming very cognizant of that mental cost of switching the type of work you're doing. That's so, pretty cool. But it's been fun. It's been a blast. I'm making good money. I'm working with amazing people. It's keeping me busy as hell. Yeah, it just sounds like you're keeping yourself busy. But that's actually excellent because, again, you're kind of hilariously in my world as yeah. well. Because like, um, combat sports my thing. Nice. I didn't know that. Yeah, I used to fight Muay Thai and MMA, and I do BJJ as well. And surprisingly, I had Bas Rutan on my show as well not too long ago. Bas, um, I'm going to be hanging out with Bas next week. We're going to uh, on Tuesday. Or Tuesday, I'm flying to New York City for the for the uh, premiere of Bipolar Rock and Roller with Showtime yeah. and some of the celebrities and media. And Bas, I know for a fact, I was talking to Frank yesterday. Bas will be up there. I've never oh, met cool. Bas, but I'm, I'm a fan. I love well, him. Well, him so. and Ronaldo actually have a uh, podcast together called Roller yes, and, Ronaldo, and Rutan. Which is a great show, I mean, on its own right. But tell him I said hi, give him a big old hug for me if you do get to meet him. He's he's a fucking legend. Um, I will. Fantastic. But yeah, so that's pretty awesome, dude. There's so many questions that I have going off of there. So realistically, before my listeners and for my own personal stuff in particular, what mistakes do you see people using with their social media profiles? Because social media for me, <laughs> I've used it, but honestly, it's kind of a weird place for me. Like I get a lot of clients just coming in from referrals from people who have just seen me, not really putting out content. <laughs> Just as my friend arrives, um, just like a lot of people just get, to know, just get to know who I am. Um, mm-hmm. But the mistakes I made over the years was I never really capitalized on it, if that makes sense. Like, always just kind you of... You never like, did what? Capitalized. Hold on. Yeah, I understand exactly what you mean. Just, could you make that quickly so it's just real quick in and out? Thanks. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's like squeaky ass door, so I'm just like... Just ah, it's, all, it's all good. The joys of podcasting at home. I get right. it. Right, tell me about it. But I was going to say it was like, real quickly. So with my actually my own um, social media stuff, I never really go out there and do what, say, other copyrights and other consultants have done. So mm-hmm. I, I joke, I, I swear to God, my listeners are like probably like bored shit about me using this analogy now because it's been a couple of episodes. 
But a couple of weeks ago, I actually came up with this analogy saying that, um, what's it called? I'm basically the macro flow of the direct response world. Like, <laughs> essentially, exactly I'm in complete mean. awe of like, oh my God, you're so amazing. Forgetting the fact that I where I am, because like, again, over the last decade, $400 million, had clients like Tony Robbins, Jay Abraham, um, consulted for huge businesses and small businesses, had everyone from really like, nice. like literally everyone in our industries, as well as the dating, self-development, blah, blah. You name whatever industry it is, 250 of them that I've written for and consulted in. And it's like the majority of my stuff is winners, like 99.2% are winners and 0.8% have failed. Which, huh. yeah. Like, but so what you're saying is what you're saying that you're not really tooting your own horn enough and uh, letting people pretty, know how awesome you are? Pretty much. And I kind of have like a weird mental block because the way I look at it is it's not so much that I wouldn't do it. It's I have no idea how to the fuck to do it. Because everyone I speak to is kind of like, yeah, what you want to do is just post what's on your mind. I'm like, that doesn't seem to work. <laughs> yeah, man. So you and I, you and I share a lot of the same. So, yeah. and I've actually had some conversations about this. So, uh, and we can get into the mindset stuff because we oh, actually okay. share some of that. Like I, um, I'm the same. Like I never look at number one at myself. I'm always looking up the ladder, not down. Yep. So, you know, I always kind of feel like oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that good. I'm not, that's my, other I'm not that. That's my right? Mark Ruffalo. He knows what's up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and for your, for your listeners, it really, I mean, this is one of the, this is actually super duper common, but, um, and I'll circle back to on the social media stuff. Cause I've actually given this a lot of thought, especially for myself, but, um, yeah. So once more, I have a hard time viewing myself. I think I'm way more humble. It sounds like you are as well than a lot of the other people out there. And it does, it, it literally drives me crazy when I see other people who I know for a fact don't have the skill sets, don't have the knowledge and the connections, et cetera, and the experience, yeah. you know, the resume that I've got. And yet they're, they're ballsy enough to kind of put themselves out there and make a noise, show off and get noticed. And ultimately that's what it takes, right? Like, I mean, you, you kind of got to, they say the squeaky wheel gets the grease and it, yeah. to a large degree it is true. And it's also the exact same analogy because I've heard this for years, which is, you know, a, you can take a crappy product marketed well, and it'll always outperform a great pro product with shitty marketing. Now, ultimately, you know, product quality, like over the long term, your product quality really, really matters. But there, you know, there's so many people out there, uh, like in the publishing space, for instance, there's these people who go, I've got the best content in the world. I should, I should get extra, like I'm super duper special as mm -hmm. a marketer. You should be super, uh, you know, you should just be excited to work with the quality of my content. It's like, you know, you don't understand quality products and quality content are a dime a dozen. You know, what's not a dime a dozen is people who know how to sell the shit. And, um, actually there's a famous Dan Kennedy quote where I remember him saying something about, there was a CEO of like a fortune 1000 company. He was like, why am I writing you a check for uh, $250,000 for like, I don't know, a week's worth of work because I mean, I don't even make $250,000 a year. Maybe it wasn't a 1,000 company, but um, he goes, yeah, because I know how to sell things. You don't. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's actually brilliant. It so it's it's the same thing. Like people can be out there as long as they're marketing, if they know a little bit more than the next person, if they're out there making the offer, tooting their own horn a little bit, uh, they're going to get more noticed. You and I are probably on the same level. I don't toot my own horn enough because I don't know. I'm, it's just not who I am. And, um, 
other people will see me as like, dude, you've got all this experience, you're all this connections and all this knowledge, et cetera. And the way that we see ourselves and the way that other people see us, it's, it's, it's the, it, here's a, here's a good, another metaphor for you. And I've given some thought to this. Okay. If I look at you, if you and I are sitting across the table from somebody, uh, I'm sorry, if I'm sitting across the table from you live, what I'm seeing in your face is totally different than what you're seeing when you look in the mirror because I'm zoomed out. I'm looking at the overall picture. You, and we, because we all do this, when you look in the mirror, you're looking at, man, I need to shave. I got a hair out of place. Where did that zit come from? Oh, one eye, <laughs> one eyelid's a little droopier than the other, and I need a haircut, right? You're zoomed in on the microscopic little points. I'm looking at the overall package, and I just see, hey, this is a guy that he's either like, he's either a good looking man or a ugly, like a good looking person or an ugly person, right? Like these are the filters yep. we go through. Like they're either <laughs> easy to look at or hard to look at. Attractive they're, or not uh, attractive. Uh, yeah. Brown hair, black hair, blonde hair. Like you're seeing the, the overall stuff. We're seeing the big picture when we look at somebody else. When we're looking at ourselves, we're seeing the microscopic details. And that's also the difference between, I, and I think in the mindset here is like, you're looking at all the things you're not in business. Right. A lot. And I do, I do the same thing too. Like I'm not this, I'm not this, but this guy's got way more Mm -hmm. success. This guy's got, you know, whatever. Um, and everybody else is looking at you like, dude, look at, look at all the people you've worked with. Look at all the money you've made. Like, this is crazy. And you're like, oh yeah, that that's cool too. But look at the shit I'm not. Yeah. And I say you, cause I mean me, like I totally do this. And what it keeps me from doing is throwing down the gauntlet, getting on social or wherever and making a little bit of noise and saying, Hey, damn it. It's it's time. Like, look at me. I almost made a post the other day, like yesterday, I think, uh, which is like, how flashy is your mentor? And what I meant by that is there's so many flashy, flashy people on social media and they're trying to, you know, with the cars and the houses and the style and all this stuff, just trying to look really cool. And sometimes they sometimes they can back it up. And a lot of times it's lipstick on a pig. Yeah. Right. But when I started to look at my mentors, the people I've learned the most from, who've been the most pivotal, the ones who inspire me, I realized that my mentors aren't flashy at all. Like they're they're authentic, they're transparent, they're valuable, but they're not they're not flashing the bling and trying to act like somebody they're not. And what and some of them have really big followings, but they're not out there just trying to say, look at me, look at me, look at me. And that made me think, dude, I was having this thought these thoughts yesterday so i was like all right there's there's got to be a way to do this that doesn't feel douchey and and feels like authentic and attracts the right type of clients because that's the other key dude is attracting the right type of clients so i've I've been just been rattling oh no dude i got got over the gym and heartbeats like bum 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 don't even fucking apologize, man. I fucking love the fact that you're actually completely going off there. Plus, it's kind of it's nice to know that I'm not the only person out you're there that has like that, that gets this shit. Because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's like, "Yeah, I just don't get it. All this, that, the other." Because, like, legit, no joke. I'm sure you've actually gone through this as well. There are moments in your like career as a marketer where you basically are like, "Wait a second, how did I end up being broke?" Or like mm-hmm. close to being broken, you're like, wait, how the fuck did this happen? This usually never happens, and now it's happened. Like, what do I do? And I go through those cycles all the time, and it's something I had a conversation with my little brother. Well, it's not really my little brother, but he's like my little brother, Joss um, Aguirre. I don't know if you know him, probably do. Mm-hmm. Uh, down in Australia, great dude, I'll connect you guys. 
Joss and I had this like whole whole full on conversation between us all the time. And one of the things he said to me he goes, "Dude, what really surprises me about you is that if as anyone that I know that can make a million dollars in ninety days if they wanted to, <laughs> it's you." I was like, "Okay." And he goes, "The problem is again very similar to you. You zoom into the microscoping and you don't see how great you can be." But at the same time, it's like one of those things that you don't. I I I know all the people have made the biggest impact to my life. Regular chill people, like yeah, absolutely. Like, I I I had the weirdest realization uh, yesterday. Very similar to you. The realization I had was um, I finally it, it was like during a conversation with a friend of mine. I was like, I actually don't want to make a million dollars. I really don't mm-hmm. because a million dollars mm-hmm. is cool and everything. Yeah. By all means, I will one day make a million dollars if I want to. But in reality, I'm happy with like, well, pounds, but like US is like yeah. $150,000, yeah. uh, 100,000 pounds. And I was looking at it going, okay, what's 100,000 pounds to me? I was like, well, that is essentially all my rent paid off for a couple of years if I wanted to. But if I'm doing it yearly, that's my rent paid off. My mom, my mom's rent paid off. Uh, my mom gets a salary so she can actually retire now because my mom is only mm-hmm. like 51, but I really want her to stop working on like shit she doesn't need to do and work on stuff that she loves. Yeah. Um, my dad's taken care of, you know, I can put money aside for savings. My business is all running and I can travel around the world. Essentially, so, you know, it's not that much. Go ahead. I was going to say it's not. Actually, you, go on, you, you go. Well, here's why this is hilarious. Because I was literally having this conversation on Wednesday. <laughs> um, Fucking you know, I don't know if you know right? what worth. Who? Nick Unsworth is a buddy of mine. Nick Unsworth from lifeonfire.com. Yeah, yeah, I know Nick. Of him. Anyway, I yeah, Nick's, of him. I Nick's a know friend him. of mine. Yeah, we were having dinner the other night. We were talking about this stuff. And uh, I was like, you know what? One of my biggest problems is like I have a really hard time setting these tangible goals. And one of the reasons is because I don't want m- many things. Like I've got a lot of things, right? Like I'm not – I make very good money, but I'm not like independently wealthy, like fuck you money and stuff like that. But yeah. – um. I was like, you know, I have a hard time setting these, like, I want to make $5 million, million or 10 million or whatever that number is, because I don't really need it. Like, I'm not that, that motivated to do it. And I said, uh, the only two things I want, like, I've got an Audi R8 convertible supercar and I'm trying to sell it because I'm sick of it because I get no real enjoyment out of it anymore. It was cool the first six months. And after a while, it's just like, it's another car. Who cares? And I I have no desire to have another supercar in my life. So that was kind of cool to get it out of the way. I was like, I, I don't want, I live in a nice place, but it's not like a mansion or anything. The only two things I want, I do want a house or a condo or something like with a view of the beach. I live in San Diego. It's gorgeous. Like I, I'm almost there, right? Uh, or at least walking distance to the beach so I can go walking up and down every morning and evening, like period. And by the way, I could do that tomorrow. Like I, I could, but that's like one thing I want. The other thing I want is I want for my wife to be able to just quit her job. The only problem is she makes a nice six figure salary and we don't have kids. So that's a lot. That's actually a lot to replace. And then she'd be around me all day long. So Which I'm not like, as you, motivated. Yeah. You kind of want it, but you're like, I kind of don't at the same time. Yeah. Be careful what you want. Cause then she'll be, yeah, honey, clean. It's like, no, that's what the maid's for. But, um, the, but those are like the, the only like real drivers. And I'm like, okay, I'm not that driven. And what I was telling Nick was, I was like, man, to be honest, if I could have, and I actually make more than this now, but I was like, if I can make 20000 a month, but with an asterisk, that has to be relatively passive, meaning I, I'm not putting that much effort into it, but 
it needs to be consistent. I either need to know it's some advisory clients who are paying me 10,000, like I've got four advisory clients paying me 10,000 a month for the next year on contract. I'm like, I mean, 5,000 a month for the next year contract. Like, that's awesome. If I just knew that that was coming in, what that allows me to do, because 20,000 easily pays all my bills and then some, that allows me to do what I really like to do, which is swing for the fences, do big deals, work on stuff that I actually really love that feeds my soul and allows me to go after like longer term things. Like, hey, I don't know where this will play out, you know, almost like moonshot stuff. Yeah. Like that's really all I want. Cause that, cause that's fun and it's engaging to me. It's like, if I know that I got like about $20,000 a month coming in relative, relatively passively or painlessly and consistently, that allows me to go swing for the fences. And I'm not quite there because a lot of the, the money that I have is a little more active income than I prefer, but yeah. That's, I don't know, that's where my mindset's at. No, dude, like, it's kind of cool, because, like, we both have the exact same fucking goal. Like, my mm -hmm. whole thing is, like, um, I was thinking about today, and I just broke it down to say, uh, I broke it down the other day, I was like, okay, if I broke down and reverse engineered how much money I want to make a year, because, again, it's, like, 8,333 pounds, or, like, basically $10,000 a month. Yep. If I reverse engineer that, I'm like... That's actually not that much because that's, let's see, that's one copy client a month that I can work with or one retainer that I can actually get on percentage deal. That's fine. Or that's um, three, uh, even three or four hours of consulting a month because I charge three grand an hour. So I'm like, mm -hmm. great. Or that's basically a couple of sales of a product that I need to finish bringing out there. Or that's, I don't know, a hundred subscribers to a new news. Oh, well, sorry. 110 subscribers to a new newsletter <laughs> I'm releasing and just shit like that. I'm like thinking all this stuff through. I'm like, it's actually not that big of a number if I really think about it. And again, very much like you, my whole thing is like, I just want to, there is all the other fun stuff, but I want to spend most of my time training in the gym. Like I want to spend most of my time doing jujitsu. Stuff because... you want to do for you. Right. Yeah. And it's yeah, I'm the exact same. And that's, by the way, that's what I was even talking to Nick about. I was like, I just need, like, I know what to do. If I was a client, I would tell him to do this reverse engineer what needs to happen. Right. Isn't it crazy how, like, we if you had a client, exactly what you would tell him, and you don't follow your own damn advice? Well, no, that that's actually quite true. But what's funny is that's actually a psychological phenomenon known as, um, I can't remember what the actual term is, but there's something like, uh, you can be great at what you do for others. It's cobbler's shoes is the nickname. Oh, yeah. Name. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. The cobbler's children have no shoes. Yeah. Like you make this, you make shoes for everybody else, but your kids are, your kids are going barefoot. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, so, that needs to happen. So it's just one of those things. So, well, I mean, and that's one of the things like I've told myself I'm going to do, which is um, – and I don't know when. I, I need to actually take a uh, calendar and put this on, but I've, I've been so busy. It'll probably be in July. I'm going to take a minimum of a week. Like I want to take a sabbatical. I want to take mm -hmm. a sabbatical. I'd love to take a month and just focus on Brad. And I mean the deep thinking. There's some oh. things I want to learn. There's some things I want to create, and there's a hell of a lot of stuff I want to think about. But I want to slow the world down, push pause on oh. – you know, making shoes for everybody else. And, and I want to start building myself. Yeah. Right? No, dude, yeah. seriously, you have no idea exactly. Like, you are literally speaking my language right now. It's hilarious. Because uh, I'm like, <laughs> these are actual thoughts I wrote down in my journal today. I was like, I have to put this down. When am I going to take like a good, it's not even a, like a, a month is perfect, but even if it's just like a weekend. A week. A week yeah. or a weekend where it's just like, I don't have to worry about like bills coming out. I have to worry about client work. I don't have to worry about anything. All I'm doing, I don't have to see friends because I, um, my friend hooked me up with a really cool SEO course, uh, specifically to do with like 
training uh, and understanding on like basically how to like rank your content, what new content frameworks you want to use. And I'm like, that looks cool as fuck. I want to take that. But then at the same time, like it's six hours of time that I can't really sit down and do. And by ad work, I mean like I can sit down, decompress, sort my own shit out, work on my own business. That's fine. Um, mm-hmm. And the real truth of it that really made me giggle about all of this when I was sitting down, I was like, okay, if I spend these 72 hours from Friday through Sunday just for me or even a week, what would I do with it? I actually reckon it's one of those things. I think you're the same way where if you sat down for 72 hours or even a week to get everything done um, and you treated it like a client, you could probably create that twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a month passive income almost at the right? end of that week. But it's also Dude, get, know. getting to that point where you're like, I got to stop juggling so I can put the balls down so I can go pick up this other thing, make sure that's self-sufficient, then come back. Yeah. And it's hard when you are super busy because you've always got client work to take it because this is hard work. Like you really have to think, you really have to plan it and you have to execute it and get the ball rolling. And if you do have client work, for instance, partner work or whatever, that a, it, it, you know exactly what needs to be done. It's just, I got to do that. And it pays me. It is so easy to get it to pull you away from the big long-term stuff. But then what happens is you look back on your life in two years, like I do now. I look back two years ago and I go, why wasn't I doing this shit two years ago? And I don't want to do that again. So it's like this is the year of me. This is the year – for me, it's like the year of me and the year of delegation because I've been really bad at delegating stuff um, like I should. And I'm trying to do that a lot more. But, uh, dude, it's it's exactly what you said, which is you almost need to – it's like clearing the snorkel. If you've ever been snorkeling and you just take a big breath and you just blow it all out, like I don't say like firing all your clients, but it's like push and pause, clear it out, get really clear on what you know I'm gonna do, and then um, and then push forward uh, and do that. Because otherwise, yeah, we just get on this thing where we're making decent money, but we're always helping somebody else's business. Not our own, yeah. And the other thing as well, which is a big danger for people that listen to this that might be thinking, hey, I'm in that same boat as well. You might very well be. Um, the big danger I found that people don't really look at is when you don't take time for yourself, what you're good at starts failing. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've actually experienced this, and I experienced this um, 2015. This is how far back it is. I've been like trying to get all this stuff going, but it's never really... It's never really mm-hmm. processed because what happened was I took on a really big client. I violated David Ogilvy's rules, which is one of his rules is never take on a client. That if they refund, they would ruin you. Huh. I took on a client that was huge. I was like, fuck, this is going to pay off. Unfortunately, two weeks into the thing, I get attacked on the way back home. Um, some some dickhead punched me in the back of the head. and Oh, shit. It was fine. I broke two of his ribs and left him there, so that's okay. Huh. don't fuck with the guy that knows how to fight just don't do it it's never gonna, end, and never gonna end well for you so I broke yep. two of his ribs called the police went home didn't think anything about it went to sleep two three days later I'm gonna get my hair cut and I stand about the chair and I'm at my friend's place stand about the chair and I collapse right back in and I black out oh, no. next thing I know I wake up in an ambulance I'm like what's going on they're like you passed out they run a brain scan on me they're like yeah you have a concussion, concussion that you, you've uh-huh. not actually dealt with. It's been like, you know, swishing around and shit. I'm like, oh, fuck. So I end up with post-concussive syndrome for three months. And for those that don't know what post-concussive syndrome is, it's where you cannot put your thoughts together. So mm-hmm. I would forget words and their meanings. Like, I would wow, try to, and that's I, terrible for a copywriter. <laughs> right? As in, like, I'm trying to sit there and try to think of an analogy of, I don't know, um, how let's see how having a 
I don't know, like how dating someone can actually enrich your life or whatever it is, or how to stop being a pussy or whatever it is, or how to eject your inner wuss, as David D'Angelo used to say. But I wouldn't be able to come up with an analogy, and I wouldn't even remember the word wuss. I'd be like, person, they're weak, they don't know what they're doing. I'd give them the definition, hoping they can give me the word. And that's how bad it got for like a couple of months, and bless them. My client put up with me as much as they could, but they refunded. Because mm-hmm. they were like, it's taking a little bit too long. I was like, oh, damn, okay, fine, fair enough. Here's your money back, that's fine. But the problem was that it completely like bankrupted me at the time, and then I had, like because oh, yeah. I didn't take Count any, on that money. and then on top of that, because I took on more clients, and I was like paying this client back, but I wasn't paying full attention to my next. I completely fucked my system up and got into this weird cycle of losing clients or losing money. Um, and thank God, I only like that only happened like a couple of times, like four or five times total, before I realized what the situation was, and I re- went, "All right, cool, I gotta stop this." But the problem was the last client that did that to me was in, I didn't actually have the money to pay them back. So I've had to like slowly pay them back. Mm, God, that's so brutal. Which they're cool with. They're cool with like me paying them back and they've been like really good friends and stuff. But at the same time, it's like when you're trying to manage your own life, manage this debt that you owe, or manage this other shit that you owe on the other side, it runs you down. Tears you up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like my, my advice to anyone that's doing stuff like this, take time for yourself and don't 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 do my mistakes learn from my mistakes yeah exactly i i couldn't agree more man it's, it's cool that yeah we both kind of uh facing the same issues on that yeah. um you know one of the things one of the things what, what were you about to say it's interesting that what i was just saying it's just interesting that we both have like the same thought patterns but we're like in two different areas of our, of our businesses well you know you'd be i think you'd be surprised that uh, how how common this is and how little talked about it is because a lot of people don't want to talk about it because it, it feels like it's a sign of weakness and it's really not. It's a sign of, man, I'm, I'm freaking human. We're all dealing with the same stuff. And, and truthfully, like all, all gurus and leaders, really, we bond over our wounds. And that's why it works so well when you in copywriting, when you're telling a story of your, your nightmare story and how my life really sucked because most people's lives suck or have sucked at some point. So you let them know that you were wounded and uh, they follow you, but it's the same thing. It's why, you know, uh, you know, we bond over our wounds and sometimes there's big wounds and just w- what are the wounds in common? They don't even have to be the biggest things in the world. Yeah. No, but, it, could, it could be something as simple as like, as you and I bonded over the fact that both of us, we yeah, basically are great at what we do, except for we just can't go like, again, looking at someone that's been in the business for two years, like hopping off how they're the greatest person in the world. And you're like, motherfucker, you have no results. Shut up and go Well, and that's what they, yeah. And you know, it's like, they're like, well, quit worrying about what people think. Like who cares if they judge you? I'm like, yeah, but I judge people. Like I know (laughs) I judge people. I see people that I know who I'm friends with. And I'm thinking like, I'll never say this to their face, but you are a douche because why are you doing this? And then it pisses me off that they'll be making more money than me. And I'm like, all right, all right, oh, something's got to change. I've I've got it with like I've had it with someone who's tore me nameless, but like they exploded onto the scene, just went crazy. I was like, cool, I like them, whatever. And then I found all the shit about. Them. I was like, man, you are a you'll have to tell me you'll have to tell me when we get off. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have a conversation. I may know who they are. I was like, oh, you probably do. I was like, this person was a straight up douche nozzle to like quite a lot of my friends. And what was really interesting was this person was charging like as a freaking I wouldn't say rookie. They were a step above a rookie. So they weren't mm-hmm. amateur, they were a rookie, they were a step above, but they were nowhere near to the level they should have been charging at. But they had the balls to fucking go for it. Their clients had to come back to me and ask me to correct all their copy. 
And I was no. like, who wrote this piece of shit? They're like, so-and-so. I was like, oh, shit, fair enough. Um, this is how it's going to cost you to correct it. And, of course, you know, I you're pretty much like me, and I can guess this. If someone comes to you and you know you can make an actual impact in their life, or maybe That's you're not bad. like this anymore, but like you used to be, I'm assuming you used to be, you will actually take a hit financially in order to help make sure they're okay and they can come back and help you later on down the line. Because it builds 1,000%. Like, right. So I did that. I, I play the long game, yeah. Yeah. I don't play for like, oh, you pay me 10 grand now. Woo. It's more like, okay, you only have like two grand. Great. Pay me that. Let me help you with your business. Your business is now doing like 30 grand. Now you can pay me 10 grand to actually fix it to get to 100 or to a million or whatever it is. And that works out. Most of the time. Sometimes it doesn't. But it really fucking makes me laugh that people have that same thought patterns. Dude. Where we basically go to them and they're like, yeah, you, you, I had to fix your work. But you can't tell them that because if you do, they get really pissed off at you and talk shit about you. Mm-hmm. It's that's exactly, much. yeah. That's exactly. Yeah, it's, um, as I said, it's, uh, it's hard. But it's, you know, I, it is time to throw down the gauntlet. I mean, for me, for you, it's because, you know, when you really look at it in a different way, we are being dicks for not doing it because I, what I would do is if I were you is I would take that scenario. This is, this is Brad, the coach. Now, um, this, I would take that scenario and I would, I would blow that up in your mind. Like, um, you know, you, all copywriters have some experience with NLP, I'm sure. But, um, (laughs) Um, I'm pretty sure like people go, did you do NLP at home like for fun, but not for copy? But I think right. everyone has to a certain degree, especially right. if you work well, in the I, I got my like, master's in it years ago before I ever got into into uh, this business. I literally, dude, I discovered the four-hour work week when I was three quarters of the way through an 18-month NLP class. <laughs> and I think it helped me become a really good copywriter. But um, the point is, really t- taking a scenario like that that's painful because that is that's a painful thing when you go man first of all this guy you know is blowing up he's making all this money he's a dick and it kind of pisses you off second of all that you know you see the work that he does and it actually hurts somebody else like somebody lost money by hiring that person right and then you had to go get them and you ended up charging less than you should have because so everybody was hurt except for that Douche nozzle. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Except, was he really hurt? Or because if nobody really ever called him out, he's off doing this to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And when I'm giving you advice, I'm saying I've got these scenarios too in my brain going. Dude, it's a reverberation, essentially what it yeah. is. That it was. I've got, got it on, got it on recording. Yeah, and that we have an obligation to, um, like, almost like that superhero thing. Like, I have an obligation to save those people, and if I'm not doing it, it's almost like watching some guy go get punched in the back of the head and as a bystander and then just watching the fight happen and going, oh, maybe I'll go help him when the guy leaves. I'll go give him a hand up. And you're like, no, I got to do something because the world needs quality people out there making noise saying – there's a there's a bunch of shysters out there who really don't give a shit and they don't know what they're doing. They're not backing it up. They read a book. They've never actually done it. And then they're holding themselves out as, out as an expert because they read a book that said that that's all you need to do to be an expert. And um, I think if, if both of us take those scenarios in our life and we zoom them in, magnify them, and actually make them hurt emotionally when we think about it, I think for me that might provide the negative uh, motivation to go, I may not feel like tooting my own horn and getting out there and maybe putting a video on, you know, out there, whether it's an ad or a social media post or whatever. But if I don't, somebody else is going to get hurt by this. Yeah. 
Because I think I'm I'm more driven by that. I'm I am way more driven by fear, and yeah. than I am gain. Yeah, no, entirely. I get it. It's like the whole like when I used to fight. The whole reason I ended my career with as little headshots as possible because they, you gotta imagine, I did eighteen fights in, in Muay Thai and eight in MMA. I had twenty four total uh, fights. Was it twenty six? Yeah, twenty six, not twenty four. Um, twenty six in total. And I took only 124 shots to the head oh wow that's not a lot if you think about it. that's like less than four punches to fight and the mm-hmm. only reason i actually managed to get out of that okay was because i'm actually terrified of being punched in the face so my reflexes are actually geared so if i see anything towards my face i'll just move out of the way i'm like it ain't gonna <laughs> hit me i don't care if you're like a mile away i'll flinch you can be like you flinched i'm like yes but if i stood there you would have punched me in the face Yep. So it's not, it's a thing. But yeah, no, I agree with you. It's the reason why I wrote the post back in November and wrote another post in January about how I've had enough of this shit. And it's kind of like, the way I can put it is like ever since March, because I found my purpose in March, I've been moving towards being more impact driven. But it nice. is, what's your purpose? Tell me that. Oh, my purpose is basically twofold because there's one that's for everyone that I show up in. There's one that's just for mm-hmm. me. So internal, uh, external, yeah. Yeah. So the external is my vi- uh, my vision is basically my purpose is to inspire everyone on earth to feel embraced, happy, wanted, loved, and empowered. And the mm-hmm. same goes for me. Like my my purpose in life is to um, inspire myself to feel embraced, happy, wanted, loved, and and empowered. I love it because that's the way. And then again, the way that shows up is again like one of those crazy, crazy things that I do, like you do. Um, where if someone's got a problem, my first words aren't ha-ha or whatever it is. It's to actually ask them what's going on. They tell me, and I just, for some really strange reason, I make a judgment out of it, but not a horrible judgment. It's like, oh, I have a problem with this. I'm like, okay, what have you done to solve it? Oh, this? All right, you're being an idiot because most people's first calls, including my own, I'm assuming your own as well, when you do this to mm-hmm. yourself, you're like, you're being a fucking idiot. And then yeah. you, you reverse engineer it, and then you find a solution for the short term and for the long term. And then you have yeah. like a plan of execution. I do that exactly. for everyone but me. But yeah, the, but the most important person, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I was thought of a joke like when they say, you know, the first question being, uh, you know, when they tell you a problem, first question should be, how much is that worth to solve? <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the money grubber in me. How much is that worth to solve that problem? Yes. Probably a great question in some scenarios. However, um, building on those two things, so I've actually always had a very very big problem with figuring out that purpose and that vision as well because I've never I don't have any massive altruistic things like I want to end world hunger or whatever like I can say that I want to but those aren't drivers right it's I almost know that I'm just putting like whitewash on it like oh maybe if I say that it makes me feel good and it'll give me a purpose but when you wake up in the morning like I'm thinking about me and I'm thinking about hey am I going to be happy comfortable feel good etc today so I've always had a problem with that. And without a bigger vision or a bigger purpose that's really driving you, it, it's almost like you, know, you, don't, you don't have the best gas in the car. And it, you, know, you, you won't necessarily do what needs to be done when it needs to be done if you don't have something bigger externally like, or internally pushing you forward. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, I, I, was at a, um, I was at a conference with Perry Marshall uh, last week in Chicago, and they had um, – the founder of Infusionsoft or the CEO of Infusionsoft, Clayt Mask there, was talking and he said something and it, it freaking hit me like, man, that actually changed 
like one little sentence in their mission changed stuff for me. And by the way, I don't even know if this is their posted mission. He was just talking about this. Uh-huh. And I'm not even the biggest Infusionsoft fan, but point is, he goes, our mission is to help entrepreneurs succeed. Right now, that's that's everybody says that our mission is to help entrepreneurs succeed. Uh, and by the way, I hate that. I want to help a million people get online. I want to help a million people become millionaires. Like, no, you I, don't. I, that's I actually, bullshit. I think for a joke, I'm going to title this. I want to help entrepreneurs fail is going to be the title of this show. So right, I love just for the fuck I of it. it. I love it. But here's here's how we followed it up, and all of a sudden, the this languaging resonated and he says i want to our mission is to help entrepreneurs and small business owners succeed because the path is hard and the deck is stacked against them and we know how that feels damn and i was like right did you did it happen to you like i got yeah. that it's like all of a sudden the now it ties it back to well why it's like because yeah the path is hard and i know it is the deck is stacked against them entrepreneurship ain't easy I tell everybody, you want easy money, keep a day job. You get to clock out at five and you get weekends off and you get a guaranteed paycheck until you get fired. Like that's easy money. Why <laughs> wouldn't not you a, do it's that? not necessarily the easiest life. Yeah. But that other part is, and we know how it feels. So that makes it resonate. Like if I were to say, I want to help entrepreneurs succeed, like I really don't. I just want to make money for me so I can enjoy my life. Pretty much. But that's the truth. I want to help, I want to help entrepreneurs succeed because the path is hard. The deck is stacked against them and I know how it feels. There's just something in it that in my gut just that motivates. Through. Oh yeah, entirely. Right? So I it's love that. And then I want to. I'm just flipping through my notes here. The the page right before that ties into something you just said about what you really want, like how you want to feel. Um, and once more, I was saying, I don't know what I want. What do I desire? And I was like, okay, I I do. I want a beach house, and I want my wife to quit working. Of course, after that, I want her to get another, start a business, or get a job, and get out of my hair. But what <laughs> are desires? Right? And I'm like, what are desires? Well, if they're not tangible physical things, like I want to be rich or whatever, I was like, well, what are the core desires? Like if I say I want if, – if anybody says I want to be rich, well, why? What does that do for you? And this is – I was trying to boil it down to the most core, core desires. And this is the order I wrote them in and I think to a degree it's the order I value them in. But I said I want to feel – I want to feel – I desire to feel fulfilled and successful. Like I want to feel fulfilled and have that spiritual comfort. And I don't mean religious comfort. I mean spiritual comfort as such like I'm on the right path. I'm at peace with the direction of my life and everything else that's going on. I'm living a good life, right? Like that, that that's that spiritual comfort. I'm living a good life. Number three, to have fun, to love and feel loved. Five, to be engaged in whatever I'm doing, not just like going through the motions, like to where it's engaging and energy producing. To feel valuable to experience the novel and new and lastly was to feel safe and you know safe really is the bottom of maslow's hierarchy is like everybody wants to feel safe and that that is what it is so then the next question i asked which and i wrote this down i put now ask myself what has to happen for me to feel each of these significantly regardless of my business my career or what i do and I don't have the answer. I did this last week. But it's like, all right, what are my core desires? Because they may not have anything to do with acquiring businesses or helping clients or doing all that other stuff. Like it could end up with a whole separate career maybe. Um, but that's the shit. Like you just said some really similar stuff to that. And I was like, well, damn. Like I've got my notes right here in front of me on that same topic. Yeah, see, this is the thing I love is the fact that we – I did not expect this for this show to go this way, but it did. And that's the We're going to talk about business tactics and how to how to grow a list oh, and God, how to no. sell fuck no. money. This, this show never goes that way. This show is all about like I'm going to have a random conversation with this human and see what comes up. 
But um, kind of like backtracking a little bit here. So I kind of want to get this because I know there are some people going, holy fuck, this will start out with a simple question now in completely a different direction. The question I did ask you for the people who are listening to this as well. So if I was your client, because this is the best way to actually answer it because we are so similar and I want to, I want to get this on record so I can send it to you so you can yes. listen to it down the line, right? So if I was a client of yours and I came to you and said, okay, Brad, these are all my credentials. This is how great I am. This is all the stuff I've done. How do I position myself on social media? What would your answer be for me personally? Hmm. So there's two different things. There's how do you position yourself versus how, how what do you do? Right. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I've thought about this for myself as well, obviously. Oh, yeah. um, That's what I'm trying to so, get you to I was thinking about this the other day, which is like, you know, what is, what is my brand? Like, what do I want to be known as? And I think, like, I'm just, I've just pulled up your site. You know, the, and, and one of the things you put on there is the greatest offer creator alive. Right. And I actually like the fact that you put offer creator, not copywriter. Yeah. And people who get it will get it. Right? And people who don't, they're like, well, what do you mean greatest offer creator? It's like, well, if you're high, if you're even thinking about hiring me to create copy, you, you already know. And I like that because that's kind of like an inside term. Um, yeah. But what I would probably position yourself as is, um, I mean, I like that. Like I think your, your site looks good and everything else. And positioning yourself as an offer creator is so much deeper than the copywriter because that's the foundation. Like copy doesn't matter if you got a shitty offer. Yeah. Um, so I like that. I actually probably wouldn't um, change that with the one exception is I might put something about – once more, I've thought deeply about this this week, which is when you call yourself something versus when somebody else calls you something, like how on your own site, how can you make it seem as though everybody else is calling you the greatest co- offer creator alive, but you're like humble and like, I don't know, this is what they call me. Right, yeah. So, for instance, the word that I've always liked for me, and it, and I, it didn't come from my, me, myself, it came from other people saying this about me. At, at minimum, three or four people have said this over the course of the years, is calling me a catalyst. Because I am Ooh. not the guy, I, <laughs> the other thing is, I've said this to a client the other day because they wanted me to do a lot more work as opposed to the advisory work. Because they, they were like, they wanted me to get my hands real dirty. And in the past, I've done this and, and the scope creep. I'm like, I can tell you what to do, but I'm not necessarily the best person to do everything. And I was like, I'm a savant, not a servant. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Right? But I know I don't want to call myself that. Like, I don't want to say, hey, guys, I'm a savant. Like, because when you're, when you're calling yourself that, it's almost too much. It's a bit um, douchey at that point. It's a bit douchey. So I was like, well, how can I get other people? But the word, my word is catalyst. So my biggest strengths are like personally uh i have a wicked recall of almost every marketing business strategy related or lateral thinking uh that i've ever read and on a dime you tell me a problem i can think of a book i read five years ago and i can go oh well this was a tactic i remember reading and i think it would apply to you and they call me Bradipedia. Like, how the fuck do you remember this shit? but it's that like sometimes it's the one idea and even more so the one connection because I am big on access and influence and uh, is one of my strengths that I very do much do naturally. I don't even, it's just instinctually is that I get access to big people and I love making introductions. And this one client who I told him I'm a savant, not a servant. He's like, yeah, he goes, by the way, in the past year and a half, the introductions you've made to us have made us more money than all of the marketing work you've done. 
and advised us on. He goes, you, you are a catalyst. Having you on board, like we only sometimes need one thing and it's a catalyst for tremendous amounts of change. So I don't necessarily want to call myself like Brad the Catalyst Costanzo, but I that love you. Up, like, so. I, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Catalyst I, Costanzo been, should be totally your domain name. I love that. I've actually never said those three words, like, like that, that sentence. Out loud. <laughs> and it's right just like now. it now makes sense, yeah. right? You just yeah, Catalyst Costanzo. That is genuinely But I love that word, like the catalyst. Client, and I, so as it comes to you, like how can you get it to where people are like, oh, everybody else is saying that this guy is the greatest offer creator alive. You're just repeating what everybody else is saying. And I think that's kind of a non-douchey way to do it. And um, and I don't know exactly how because I'm working on that for me. But yeah. Um, there's a great book, you may have read it, called The Microscript Rules. No, I haven't. Okay, it's if you're a copywriter, you 1,000% have to get it. And uh, it's a, it'll blow you away. But in it, he, he says, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's not what they say, it's what they remember. Or, you know, it's not what you say, it's what they remember. And he's like, no, especially in copy and business, he goes, it's not what you say, it's what they repeat. So it's how can you get other people to start referring to you as the greatest offer creator alive? And that's your thing. Like you're in essence like almost like a, what do they call it? What, what's that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? Inception. Inception. Yeah. Inception. Incepting that is uh, – yeah, man. Everybody calls this guy the greatest cop. You, you know, know what's crazy? I have, I have a ton of testimonials that actually have that in them. Ah, that's, that's awesome. And that's what you want to do. Um, and I don't know, I mean, as far as positioning, like then if I was doing this stuff, I would probably say shit like, um, like if I was doing, if I'm you and I'm doing a video, I might, I might almost humbly, like this is the humble brag saying, listen, uh, copywriting, you know, let's talk about copywriting. Well, a lot of people think that I just want to go hire a copywriter for my product and they think oh well why is it going to cost this or that or the other and you kind of come up with some of the you know what people do in the the first their first instincts but what they miss out on is understanding that it's not about the copy it's about the offer and look i've worked with some of these these amazing clients and when we're done like I've heard them say, you know, Edel, you're the you're the greatest offer creator I've ever seen. Another one said, you're the greatest offer creator alive. And maybe that's true, maybe it's not. But it is what is true is it's all about the offer because it's never about the copy when I'm working with them. I always focus on the offer. Maybe that makes me the greatest offer creator alive. Maybe it doesn't, right? So now I'm you're doing it like hey, this is what other people told me. But then you're you're backing off of it and you're saying, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, I don't know. You decide for yourself if I am. Book a consultation with me and the very first thing we're gonna do is I'm not gonna review your copy, I'm gonna review your offer. If the offer has a good foundation, now we're gonna look at the, co at, the, at, the uh, at the copy that goes on top because the, the offer is the cake and the, and the copywriting is the icing. So you don't just want a big spoonful of ice or a fork full of icing, do you? No, you want to have the – so that's probably how I would do it. And all of a sudden you're incepting in your brain, in their brain that, dude, you're the uh, – this guy's the greatest offer creator alive. Yep. Fucking love that. So, so guys, I, if you guys didn't I'm going to listen to this that. and I'm going to take my own advice because I'm the catalyst. <laughs> yeah. No, you are. You're going to buy the domain like right now. Once you get off the show, you're just going to go buy it. I'm going to get an email from you saying, fucking bought it, dude. <laughs> Because, yeah, I expect that. 
And if he doesn't, then there's some sort of weird-ass forfeit he has to... I don't even know what it is. It's going to make him do a forfeit because it's fun. But, dude, we're actually hitting, like, near enough the end of the show. But I'm getting you back on for another episode at some point. Yeah, no, I'm, like, I'm, I'm we happy have, like, to do it. Fuck tons more we could, to speak. Yeah, we, I, I think we could uh, really drill down on a bunch of this stuff. Oh, and I, and I do. I, have a, I actually have a client call in three minutes. So. <laughs> okay, you got to, like, get going. Uh, so real quick... I could go, just... go into savant mode, not servant mode. <gasps> damn dude there's like there's like three questions i'd love to ask but right now i'm just gonna quickly end this uh guys i'm not gonna do my regular spiel but check out everything brad does online check out uh what was it Biz, what was it baconwrappedbusiness.com baconwrappedbusiness.com sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat profits yeah what? pretty much i love how you ended it with profits there guys go check it out review listen to this episode again review it subscribe to it send it to your friends and leave us a comment and share and reach out to Brad. He's a fucking awesome bass. And like I said, and like he said, he's a catalyst and kicks ass. So go check him out. And I'll see you guys on another episode. And I'm going to get Brad in for another episode today. Well, not going to record it today. But I'm going to get him back in so we can record one in a couple of weeks' time. See you later, dude. Let's do it.